listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Wow. John, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Bart. I, did, I didn't expect to hear from you. <laughs> no, neither did anybody else. Um, <laughs> I would love to start this episode just as if it had been a week. <laughs> you know, and pretend. But it, it sort of, I, I, it feels like you would have, it would be like if you had ghosted your wife and then came and left town and came back six months later and walked in and was like, hey, what's for dinner? <laughs> it just feels like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem, you, you, need to, you need to acknowledge the fact that you've been gone. Yeah, it hasn't been a week. It's been several weeks. It's been two months. Yeah, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good too. Yeah, have you, like what's weird is, I would say like, I'm fine, you're fine. Our show has been a little bit sick. Our show has been not, not so fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about this. I, I mean, first of all, I feel like there's something fundamentally broken in our production situation that we need to address. And you know it. I know it. We're do, we're, we've, we've been talking, yeah. But the long and the short of it is, if I was going to explain it to somebody who wasn't you, I would just say, like, over the six years that we've been doing this, one of us generally was pushing. And going like, hey, we, we can we do it this week on Tuesday or, or Wednesday? And the other one was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I can make Wednesday work. But like one was acting and the other was reacting. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always the same person. But this last time, I think both of us hit, I'll be the reactor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I and for probably different reasons. But yeah, so I mean, it, it's been a weird time, hasn't it? Yeah. No, it's interesting. I'm I'm reading right now. I just, it's funny. I have two books that I, I, I just finished a book and I just started a book and they both relate to this conversation. The book I just finished um, was, is called The Power of Regret. Mm -hmm. And it's by Daniel Pink, who's a great writer. Um, and it's a book about regret as a, that's a negative emotion that actually is really healthy for us. And causes us to grow in lots of different ways if we if we deal with it correctly. And so like I go like, ah, regret. Yes. I regret <laughs> these last two months. And like I need to find a way to at least in terms of the podcast, I need to find a way to learn from and make sense of that. But the book I'm reading right now is Johan Hari's new book um, that I will endeavor to get him to come on and talk with us about. And it's called Stolen Focus. And it's about why none of us can think deeply anymore about anything or stay focused on anything. Wow. And what the implications of that are. And what he, a good I mean, topic. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he's gone at it in much the same way he went at the addiction book mm -hmm. in that he sort of has a hunch. He reads a bunch of studies and then he goes and he interviews all the people that wrote the studies. And he's try, you know, just trying to really understand this phenomenon that all of us recognize. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful so human. is the book out? Is it done? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's out. It's oh, out. Okay. And yeah. I, I, I started reading it um, a couple of nights ago. Um, 
but I didn't get very far because like, you know, there was something cool to look at on TV and then my phone rang. Your focus was stolen, if you yeah. will. I, yeah. <laughs> from the book. <laughs> um, but it's, and so I, I think that, and maybe now more than even during the pandemic, I think a lot of people are distracted um, because they got into one way of interacting with the world during the pandemic. You know, the screens became a big part of our lives. We, we, we did a lot more of that kind of sitting around watching Netflix stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we were, we were, we didn't have ways of being in large groups and things like that. And I think like a lot of people got like, they raised that, that part of their lives expanded. You know, somebody like me, for instance, if you looked at my screen time over the last dozen years, COVID would have represented a huge spike up. Yeah. And you say, well, well, now that you're kind of out of the dog days of COVID and you're, you're back to, to, to a more regular life, it's dropped back down to normal levels. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it hasn't seeded that ground. Yeah. 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 I, I get what you're saying. But then the other thing, but then, but then on top of that, people have added back other, other activities or other responsibilities or other kinds of things. So, some of it chosen, like there's some interesting things going on in, in the world of work right now, right? Where people are sort of reestablishing the, the boundaries with their bosses and what, you know, th- taking, taking ground. I, I see some of that as good, but I still think it's in such a, very odd moment that um, I don't think that people are really reacting the same way as they they normally would. And it, and it kind of reminds me of uh, the question this week, Bart, that I wanted to bring to you. Since this is, is strangely enough a question and answer or a question and response podcast, it is. It is yeah. a it is a Q and A. And uh, this is. Are you ready for the question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay says, when I read about the war in Ukraine, I find my stress level rising. I guess I could just avoid the news, but that doesn't seem healthy either. How stressed out is it logical to be at this moment in history for an average American? And how much should I let it get in the way of my life? That's a great question. And and by the way, that that's one of the things where I would say, when I say people are distracted, the war, I don't even know if it's fair to call it a distraction. It's, it's just a focal point that didn't used to be there. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I know this isn't World War II, but if you, if you parallel to World War II, which is probably its closest parallel for us in the early days of World War II, when the United States was not yet directly involved. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been unfair to call it a distraction. Like this is a global event that was going to have implications for everybody. Yeah, you know, it, it was an emergent phenomenon that you had to pay attention to. It's not like the car. It's not like the Kardashians having a wedding, or it, it, you know where you go. Like it's it's compelling, but it's you know I'm trying to think. You know, or like I the see, Olympics. No, I see. I see what you're saying. Like it's not like a TV show that's distracting you. It's something that demands a certain kind of attitude or focus or, or, or 
at least sporadic attention on it because it's not like other pieces of information. Well, it's, it's sort of like the weather in the sense of it's not like a moral imperative that you should like, – like I'm not going to say to this listener, you know what? It's your responsibility as a, as a citizen and as a good person to pay attention to the war to some degree. Like you, you can't shirk your responsibility to be an informed citizen. That's not, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, is that if there's a, a hurricane outside your window – and you say, well, I'm being distracted by the hurricane. No, no, the hurricane is like, it's, it's a focal point of attention. And you actually, you can't avoid thinking about it because it's going to impact you. Mm. And it is impacting you. And I think that that there are a lot of people that sort of sense that this either is already or soon will impact them. Yeah, kind of, you know, it's on some level, the the question sort of remind me of that old cartoon uh, where like a man goes into a doctor's office and says, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor replies, well, don't do it then, you know. Um, but, you know, finding out what's wrong seems important too, doesn't it? So, and reading the news seems important. So it's the same, it's, to me, it's the same, it's the same thing. How, how much time do you spend every day reading about what's going on? I, I mean, I probably right now, and, and I, I'm not proud of it or ashamed of it, but like I am compelled, it feels like to spend some somewhere between a half an hour and an hour every day. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm probably there with you. It, it's normally the New York Times first thing in the morning for me. I usually just catch up on it, and then I'm, the rest of the day is on my life for the most part. Do you know what I mean? But of course, if you if you do any kind of deep dive, like I listen to the daily podcast sometimes. Yeah. On my way to work. Um. And. Like they, I recently heard, or I, the last one I heard was I listened to um, the New Yorker radio hour, and they did a thing about these Ukrainian broadcasters who had a radio station, and they it was a music station, but like as soon as the war started, they took it in a different direction, and then they had to evacuate their studios, but they took all their equipment, and they and they're like cobbling together twenty four hours of broadcasting as a you know like to try to like address the needs of their, their country, giving wow. news, uh, telling children's stories at night to kids who are in shelters and are scared because bombs are going off and wow. giving parenting advice. And it, it just, and, you know, and it was very compelling to listen to the show, but like then, so that was 20 minutes I spent listening to the show, but then I'm coming home and over the dinner table, Marty and I are talking about, you know, the day and I'm like, well, you know, this show was on my mind and, I, these guys, what they were doing. And I thought, you know, I guess everybody does what they can. And, can, and we ended up talking about ch parenting and children and mm -hmm. moms. And, and so, you know, it, it, if you, if you do any kind, if you do any kind of thoughtful work on this, it ends up sort of working its way into conversation too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it, it so it spills over on some level into conversation, but this question was about stress levels. I mean, as a therapist, you know something about that, I'm sure. I do indeed. Um, and one of the things that I know is, is that it's a little bit like that book I was telling you about, about regret, mm -hmm. that a lot of people are like, I want to live with no regrets, you know, <laughs> tattoo, no regrets. Um, because, which is, you know, as Daniel Pick would say, like the stupidest thought ever, like regrets are what help us shape better behavior in the future. 
Yeah. Um, we learn from things. But he was saying it's a negative emotion. And a lot of people are like, I want to avoid negative emotions. So stress is a negative emotion. I want to avoid stress. And the truth of the matter is, is that stress is a negative emotion that it, under certain circumstances is absolutely necessary and, and vital to your survival. Um, so for instance, you're walking down a path and a, and a, and a, a bear jumps in front of you mm -hmm. and immediately cortisol is released in your system. The fight or flight thing, um, you, you know, your, your eyes widen, the focus narrows, um, you, you, you know, your, your, your body tenses up, adrenaline rushes, like, and this is all really healthy. Yeah, if a bear, if yeah. a bear is in front of you, you want to be stressed. Mm -hmm. What's, what's dangerous is, is if you stay in a state of stress over a long period of time. So for instance, a child that's living in a household where there's physical violence as a possibility, mm -hmm. they're always on low level alert. Like, you know, what, what's, what's dad thinking? What's, is he drunk? Are, are they fighting? What, what, you know, what do I have to do? And, and, and that kind of cortisol that's elevated for long, long periods of time has really bad health effects, not just mental health, but also physical health. And so that's why like the, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a, a very famous study called the um, ACEs study, uh, adverse childhood experiences. And, it, and, and they study like what happens to people when they are stressed out a lot as children, when they mm. are traumatized as children. And it has a lot of long-term health impacts because they, they it, functions in our bodies that are adaptive in, in, one, in, in a crisis are not designed to be used on a regular basis. And right, so, right. So what's, what's interesting about this war thing is, is that I actually think that when we go back into a state in which we have to really beware of the possibility of nuclear war or of, of, of tactical nuclear strikes or of a major, like if Europe ever decides to stop buying Russian oil, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just going to change the economy of the world so much. And then, you know, China coming in and you go like, you know what? That's like a bear coming on the path. Mm. And you're like, that's something that probably we ought to have an elevated level of stress about where we ought to be, you know, various people ought to be thinking creatively. And we, you know, even everyday people like you, us ought to be thinking about like, uh, if our government does this, how will we, will we support it? What, what, what kind of messages do we want to send in terms of public opinion to sort of shape the dialogue? You know, how do we, how do we send a message to our to our leaders, to the world, like this is what we're willing to sacrifice or this is what we're willing to, like there's a lot of good questions to ask about. Like, what should we think and feel and communicate about about you know, a war of aggression mm. by, by an autocrat who doesn't seem to have any moral compass at all? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The, the problem is, is that we come to this bear on the path stressed out about a hundred other things that we probably shouldn't be stressed out about. Right. Stress, stresses of modern life, like just, just normal, normal yeah, things. I think, I think a lot of people live in an elevated state, state of stress in the, you know, 
difficult relationships, jobs where they work too many hours, too much mm-hmm. time. You know, th- th- does this, th- the question is, does all the screen time, the, does the kind of distraction that Johan Hari is writing about in, in Stolen Focus, does that increase somebody's level of stress because they're not able to think deeply about anything? They're ping pong balling back and forth between ideas all day long. And they never think something through to its conclusion. So there's there's lots of open files in their brain. Yeah. And so so what, what I'm suggesting is, is that there may be a heightened level of stress that we just take on and we live in. And we go like, well, you know, but I can handle it. I, I eat stress. I can handle it. But then when an event happens that really raises the stress level, you know, uh, COVID, or, or, or this, we're already at nine. Hmm. And so we don't have, a, we don't have a big margin to go up with. Right. So it, it kind of sounds like you're saying someone who finds their stress level rising because when they read about what's going on in the world, that's logical, reasonable, um, healthy. But if they're already, if they have no headroom, then it's probably not good. And some of it's like, like I think that this war is very different per se than paying attention to the forest fires in Australia when they were happening. Right. That stressed a lot of people out too. And yet, and yet that wasn't something like it had implications for us, but in some sense, like in another era, we wouldn't even have known about it. Well, but, but Bart, sometimes Everything, I, I think to a certain category of person, and I, I feel like I know both types here, you know, people who are just kind of out there obliviously enjoying themselves, and then other people who are just worried about everything and to the point of like paralysis, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's it's not good. Like you can't take on everything. You can't take on everything, that's exa- right? That, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. And, and so, but, the, but the difficulty is, is that a lot of times the way that we, the way that we take in information we're not given a lot of help and we're not naturally, I think, good at um, filtering out information that we don't need to think very much about. It's not relevant in our lives. And then when a global event happens that actually is relevant in our lives, they all hit us at the same weight. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we need, you know, and so, but what's interesting is like, this is not, I, like that person says how stressed, you know, how much should I focus on like that? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know about, I don't know where the should would come from um, in terms of like, what should you do? But I guess I just want to normalize it and say, hey, I, I'm not saying like that there's something wrong with you if you're already at a nine. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with, what I'm saying is like, there's something, there's something hard on you. Like this is hard. This is a yeah. hard time mm-hmm. where people are coming at this, where, where they're, they might be very, very stressed out by this thing. And they might think it's, it's because of the magnitude of the event or because of this level of the suffering. And I go like, yeah, that's part of it. Part of it is you're coming off of, you're coming off of two years of COVID. Yeah. Part of it is yeah. that you've, you've spent a lot of time playing Candy Crush. <laughs> and part of it is, and, and, and that hasn't, that hasn't brought you the same amount of, of sort of rest and peace that some other activity that you might've done five years ago would have brought you. And so, you know, 
your your coping mechanisms aren't working as well as they used to. So you've got more stress coming in, and and your and your sort of processing unit is probably not working at a at a functional level. I, I know mine isn't. Right. Right. I know mine isn't. That's, and again, like all, all the way back to like, you know, why haven't, I, why haven't we produced a show in the last two months? And I go like, well, cause like I've, one of the things is like this being a therapist thing is a real change for me. It is. And I've, I haven't fully adjusted it. Like I kind of like it. I mean, there, there are aspects of it that I like. There's, there's also some stuff that I didn't expect that like the paperwork is harder than I thought it would be for me. Mm. Um, and, but more, more to the point is like all the counseling I used to do was in the context of a larger community. Right. Right. And so I would counsel with somebody, but then like I stayed connected to them in their life. Like they, I would see them at the big event or I would see them, I would pass them on campus or something like that. And so like they would counsel with me for a little while, but I stayed a part of their life. And, 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 and then I could also build them towards another person. I'm like, oh, I know somebody you should talk to. And, and this counseling is so atomized. Yeah, you literally yeah. have like as soon as that person's not counseling with you, you never see them again. I'm thinking about uh, that that show, The Shrink Next Door. Did you see it? Oh, I, yes, I, I watched a little bit Paul, of it. Paul Rudd and yes, <laughs> I couldn't watch it. It was too painful for me to watch. <laughs> Dude, it's so horrible. Just to watch somebody being, you know, relationally overwhelmed that way is yeah. really I I couldn't deal. Like, I was just like, this is this is I, too close to home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was a guy that was very into being a part of that guy's life. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I understand that right, in a really sick way. <laughs> yes. And I understand why there are rules against it um, and why you're not allowed to do it. But I, I just realized like, oh, this is so different than pastoral counseling right. or, or, or chaplain work, um, you know, and so, or just being a good friend. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it's been an adjustment. But the point is like, I, I, so the Ukraine war has hit me in a way that I, I didn't have a good margin. Mm. And I don't, my processing unit, my, my stress processor isn't working as well as it, usually, as, as it should be. It, it doesn't churn through it uh, as, as well. Like, I think you've talked about having a good compartmentalization. Yeah. Um, I'm still good at compartmentalizing and not bringing my clients, you know, home with me and all of that stuff. Um, but I don't get the same level of satisfaction from the, the hour that I spend with a person that I used to get when I would spend the same hour with the same kind of problem, but then I would also see that person in a larger context. Right. Yeah. And so, and so what it is, is like, it's it, the output isn't killing me on the counseling thing. Mm -hmm. It's that the, the inputs are really different. Right. And I don't get the same, I don't get the same charge out of watching my work um, play out. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense to me. Um, now, now I, I think, you know, you and I, if we wanted to sit down for a day, we could, I'm sure, come up with a thousand things that it would be rational, logical, reasonable to worry about, to, to, be, to, to have a level of, of stress when we think about those things, right? I know, or we, we could, could, or we could, we could go back and get, um, who's, oh gosh, I'm so bad on names, I'm getting so old. 
Um, <laughs> but you, you, know, you know my buddy who Roman tore me to shreds over? Oh, Michael uh, Dowd. Michael, Michael Dowd. Dowd. Yeah. Or I could call Michael and say, Michael, tell me all the things I should be worried about. Right. And he would he would list them for me. He would list them all out. He'd do a great job, and by the end, you'd be you'd be you'd be all stressed. I I feel like there's always stuff that we could be worried about, and it would be perfectly rational to worry about. And this war is maybe at the top of the list, right? Well, it's not even maybe. It's definitely at the top of the list right now because of just we know that it changes some things in the world, and we know you know we're worried about effects and all that kind of stuff. And when you're seeing completely unironic headlines about World War Three, you know you're in an interesting time. And I and you know, and so I like I think you and I maybe have we could we could have maybe have like different instincts or different coping strategies. You know, I want to think about the worst case scenarios and then like give me, give myself a whole list of all the ways that those are less likely and you know, other things. But that still leaves a lot of room for for bad things. And yet, j- during every other war we know of, World War Two, World War One, there are lots of stories of people's lives going on in, in the midst of it, aren't there? I, they're falling in love, they're getting married, they're running businesses. Uh, go, going to movies, enjoying food. And I always, that's what sort of freaks me out about this whole moment is like, I can't decide how it is um, impeding my life or stressing me out because it does when I read about it and I think those things through on my way to Starbucks or something. But then I go on with other things, you know? And well, you know, I, what, what do you think about this? Like, cause like, you you go into Starbucks, sure, but you also you also sit down for dinner with your son. Yes, and I think that if you if you bring to that dinner an awareness that somewhere in the world people are not getting to have dinner with their sons because they're running from bombs, and if you bring to the awareness of it that the world in which your son can go to college relatively unimpeded might change. I think that should inform the dinner. Not that you talk about it, but that you go like, this is a moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, Maybe there'll be lots more of these, or maybe life will get hard in the next couple of years. Like it got hard right, a couple right, of years right. ago. Mm-hmm. I should really, I should really look him in the eye. I should just, I should tell him how much now I that, love him. Yes, that I love. I should really taste this food because- I don't know what might happen. And, and so my awareness, you, you go like, the war makes me feel like my life is fragile and, and, and ephemeral and, and, and could be taken away at any time. I go like, that's a good thought. Hold that thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, use that, use that. And do you think that could, uh, as far as that, how that would address stress, do you think that stress might lower with that kind of frame? Because- to me, it seems like it would. It would be like a way of kind of reinvent. I mean, those people in Ukraine are fighting for the things we're talking about. They're fighting for a, a world where they get to go to dinner with you know and 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 watch a movie and enjoy life. Right? That's well, what funny. That's what they're doing. That is, and it's funny. Like that, that radio, those radio guys. Yeah. I was telling you about. They broadcast for about a week um, when the war started before they reintroduced humor into their into their shtick. Uh, and then they were like, you know what? We need humor. It was, it's, we're, la- we're telling 
you know, we're, we're telling jokes about the Russian idiot, you know, you know, we're, we're telling jokes about this, like it's dark humor. It's, it's tinged humor, but like, yeah, that, that there, there comes a point at which I think that living your life, and I don't mean living in ignorance of, I think living with the awareness of what's going on around you, um, it, it, I, it is a stress, it's a stress it's a stress processor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, it's not about avoiding the stress. It's about processing it. It's about going like, what do I do with this stress? Right. And I guess that that prescription wouldn't surprise anybody in my hometown, right? In Belfast, Northern Ireland, where I, I grew up towards the tail end of an armed conflict that affected everybody I knew in some way or another. And, and, and that prescription is humor. We were talking the other day about Kenneth Branagh's new film, Belfast. Yeah, what a beautiful um, movie. Oh, it's so beautiful, and, and I recommend it to everybody. But, and it actually captures it perfectly. You've got to laugh. You've got to make jokes about bad things. You've got, you know, you've got to make sure you're not letting the bastards get you down. And ju- at just the times when you see some other people giving up humor, th- I think that the Belfast experience is, is that that's, when you, that's exactly when you need a session with friends over some drinks or you know, something to yeah, make fun of or, yeah, yeah. or, you know. No, you know, it's funny that that movie is actually is, it, probably to our friend who's who's asking about stress levels rising in the midst of, of an imminent war. It's, it's probably a very relevant movie because it, is. it, 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 it isn't a movie that, that, that turns away from the troubles. It's, it's all about living in the midst of conflict. Right. Um, and yet at that exact moment, there, a, a young boy is shoplifting for the first time, <laughs> you right, know, and like, right. and like having his first kiss or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And people are dancing yep. with their spouses and, and, and working out, you know, mourning the loss of a loss of a grandfather. And, you know, it's just like, you know, it's cliche to say life goes on, but I think one of the important things is, is that when we, you know, this is, this is a big part of the letting go of heaven thing for, for people that, that ultimately lose their faith is that is that there's a there's a focusing when you go like oh, this is it this is it this yeah. is my life yeah uh, there's not like, like it, 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 there's a focusing um, that we get at when we go to a good funeral mm. and we are reminded that time is short and 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 so I think if somebody said to me like what should you know my stress level is rising and what I would say is if you avoid the news, I'm not even sure that that's going to help you. I think because like you, you'll have this low level sense of like what's behind that door, what's behind that door, what's behind that door. I think on some level, that's a good point. You have to process the stress, and one of the ways to process is to look at it and go like, "Yeah, look at this," and then and then to, to, to turn back to what you have, and and say, "Well, at least this." Like, yeah, you know, you can you can either say, "Well." you know, if only this, or you can say, but at least this. Yeah. And I think that in a time of, in a time of this, you go like, ah, but at least we, at least we're still together or at least this. And I think that that's what, that's what I hear of people doing in Ukraine is that they're, they're holding on to and, and, and celebrating the things that they're, that are at least this, um, even as they're coping with, with the other. And, and so I think that there's a sense in which we, we are too stressed by things that we sh- 
shouldn't be stressed by. And we're, and we're, and we're paying attention to too many things that we shouldn't be paying attention to. But there are these things like the hurricane outside your window that there's no avoiding that stress. So you better learn to process it. Yeah. I think that's really, really good because there's, there's a consciousness that you're talking about that I think is really useful. It's like this, this thing of like, Hey, I'm conscious of everything that's going on. I'm not, I don't want to be ignorant of it. I won't, you know, like that, like our listener says here, that doesn't seem healthy either to avoid it. Right. I, I also wonder about people who give, you know, to Ukraine related causes right now. I wonder how that could affect their sort of sense of, you know, they're contributing to what they're reading about their, yeah. th- there's a I, sense I, of action. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know we, we get, we gave some money. Um, and I, I haven't thought about it since we did it. I mean, it felt like a good thing to do, but it didn't, it didn't change my, my worry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I feel like I need, again, like I recognize that my country has a, has a huge part to play and that if there's anything you can learn from watching the Supreme court court hearings or, or the, or the present debate, it's like, everybody's playing to the crowd. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, people aren't really trying to seek the truth. They're just trying to make points uh, mm-hmm. with the, the audience. And so since I'm the audience, I think one of the things is like, I really want to be attentive to like trying to, to do my part to identify, like to represent a thoughtful point of view on this so that Biden knows that like, if I do this, you know, he goes like, well, the public opinion polls are saying this, you know, people are talking about this. People on podcasts are talking about this. And I want to, I want to be clear that I'm willing to make some sacrifices, yeah. you know, cause like I can send my, my hundred dollars, but that's, that's not really a sacrifice. But I think that there's some things coming down the pike where Biden and, 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 and Congress may have to look at the United States and say like, are you guys willing, how much do you want to protect Europe? You know, how important is it to you that we not have, that we not have chemical weapons used? Are, are, like, to, to what degree are you willing to, to put your money where your mouth is in terms of saying you want a peaceful world? Um, and I, I, I want to sort of, so I, I mean, I want to send that message however I can. And, you know, it's funny because I, I'm looking at this, this letter from the, the listener and I'm thinking about the conversation we had at the earlier about like, why our podcast has sort of been missing in action. And I find myself thinking about, you know, stress coping mechanisms. And I go like, yeah, you know what? I've gotten a lot of, a lot of feedback over the years from listeners. And, and the problem is I don't travel as much now, so I don't encounter as many listeners on the road as I used to. But over the years, I've heard from a lot of people that have said the tone of the conversations you have and the guests that you have. And that's that the whole vibe of the show is, has helped me. That tone has helped me to, 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 to process some stress in my life, mm-hmm. to process some difficult relationships in my life, to process mm-hmm. some new ideas in my life. And I, I sort of feel like, you know, if you say like, are you going to give money to Ukraine? I go like, you know what I probably ought to do? Probably ought to fucking make some more podcasts. <laughs> And, 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 and try to restore that oasis or that stress processing unit for, you know, for the, 
for the handful or hundred or thousands of people for whom it's it's a meaningful thing. And I, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that like at, at crucial moments in their life, this show was a big part of what got them through. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thought, and it brings it full circle. Yeah. And this has been good. We should do it more often. <laughs> and we will. And we will. And we will. Well, thank you, Bart. Thank you, John. We'll see you next time. We'll see all of you next time on Humanize Me. For more on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life. Cool.